Today, we're gonna start profiling head coaching candidates. I'm starting with my least favorite and over the next week or so, we're gonna go all the way up to my, my most favorite. So today is coaching candidates Luke doesn't really like, and I'll tell you why, but I'm also gonna give you information on who they are so you can come to your own conclusion and not just have to copy mine. So here we go on the Lockdown Vikings Podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal in the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Brom. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Brom NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. We're also doing this on YouTube, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, if you could subscribe to the YouTube channel, too, even if you don't listen to, on, to it on YouTube, if you're like listening in the car, please hit the subscribe button anyways. It would help me out a lot. Today on the show is we're going to start with coaching candidates. So the way I'm going to do this, I've got like a tier list, I guess, but I have them more in like kind of groups instead of like one after the other, um, where like within this tier, the three guys I'm going to talk about today, I don't know who my least favorite or most favorite among them is, but I know that these three guys, there's kind of a gap between them and the rest of everybody. Um, and I'm going to explain to you why, but I also want to give you like, I'm going to give them a fair shake here as I do this. And then I'll tell you why I came to the conclusion that I did. So I'm going to start this off with Kellen Moore, who's gotten a lot of press as somebody that people really, really like basically since like September, October, even since like 2019. I mean, he got head coaching uh, interviews last year. He has only been a coach, I think, for three years. Like he's very, very young for this. That's not necessarily a problem. In fact, for a lot of people, that might be a good thing. He's young, new, fresh perspective, right? He might be a little more pro analytics, a little bit less attached to the way we always did things, old school style of the game. And Lord knows everybody's super sick of that with Mike Zimmer. So a lot of people are really into the young coach thing. Doesn't really move the needle for me either way, personally. Um, but Kellen Moore is a total nerd. Oh my God, he's a huge geek about scheme and playbooks and stuff. There's a lot of stories about him like collecting playbooks since he was a kid um, and like just collecting everything from college and all these different plays. He seems like a total nerd about play designs. He collects them like you would collect baseball cards and uh, keeps them in mind and pulls out all these different little facets and stuff. So you get this very multiple offense in Dallas. And I think that's why people like him is because he can totally dust you on the whiteboard too. There's actually a story from Dan Orlovsky who lost a job to Kellen Moore back when they were both playing quarterback because Kellen Moore as a young guy came in, totally dusted him on the whiteboard. And suddenly the camp battle got a lot harder for Orlovsky. So he's like this total brainiac that absorbs everything and steals concepts and works things in and all that stuff. It would be this very dynamic offense. He prides himself on the offense, not looking the same from one day to the next. And this is why I say he's a tactician, like he's a scheme guy. And the thing about a scheme guy is that's fine for offensive coordinator. In fact, that's great for offensive coordinator. Good for Dallas to have a really smart guy helping them make their play designs better. That can only be a good thing. As head coach, there is more to that job. We talked about this a little bit with Raheem Morris, and he learned this lesson the hard way at about the same age, um, where there's management to it, there's leadership to it, there's hiring to it, there's talent evaluation, and all these other skills that Kellen Moore, he just hasn't been on the job that long, and his particular role in Dallas, because Mike McCarthy has taken more of like a, a CEO role, where he's kind of delegating things and being a little bit more of a a manager instead of like uh, an actual purveyor of ideas. He's just sort of 
managing the ship. He's captaining the ship. And so that means that Kellen Moore can very comfortably just sit there, draw things, dream up offensive ideas and try to fool the defense. Great. That's an awesome role for him. When you're upgrading to head coach, you now have to take on all those duties. And he hasn't had to do that. So he's taking on a thing he's never done before. I, I don't like that. That's my deal about Kellen Moore. But let me go a little bit deeper into him in, in terms of what makes his scheme cool, because you very well might disagree with me. And I want to make sure you have that information. In terms of leadership, I get this very cerebral vibe from reading about Kellen Moore. Like he has a very calm and collected energy is the way I would put it. It's very difficult for all the players to describe. Like they're all asked like, hey, what's it like when he's like commanding a room and they all kind of shrug and they're like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like he's quiet, but it gets you hyped and none of them can really describe it. And so I like, I guess I'll take their word for it. Although I am a little bit suspicious of that um, versus people that, you know, very visibly get their players like jacked up, ready to go. But again, he's an X's and O's guy. He's a, he's a scheme tactician that says we're all going to do this and it's going to work. Um, but like, how does that relate to players? And he has a fine relationship to his players. I don't think that's necessarily a weakness, but it's difficult to look at that and say that it's a strength, even though the players say, yeah, 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 he's, he's a really good person to work with and that's fine, but he's a very soft spoken person. He has a very quiet, they, they call it a quiet command, but I don't know how that works when you're, you're on a four game losing streak. Can you still lose? Can you still keep your your handle on on the leaders? Schematically, this is where Kellen Moore gets very cool. He is very much not afraid to bring out interesting ideas. And his interesting idea of 2021 was putting the offensive lineman in weird spots. He would bring out a sixth offensive lineman, declare Connor McGovern eligible, and then put him in a bunch formation where he would be like lining up a wide receiver and then you'd run a screen. And instead of having to have a lineman pull out from the offensive line to go get to the screen, he starts the play over there and you have a big old blocker taking out a cornerback. Great stuff. Um, he did stuff like you might remember the Hulk package he unveiled against the Vikings where he had seven offensive linemen and the extra two offensive linemen would line up like they were fullbacks or sniffers, um, basically becoming lead blockers. And you didn't know which way it was going to go. It was like kind of this big diamond. It was very, very old school. This is I mean, everything old is new again. Right. But this is stuff you pull out of like World War Two era offenses. And it seemed to work OK. I thought the Vikings defended it fine, but it was an interesting idea. Right. And those sorts of outside the box things are interesting. But here's the deal with scheme. Those sorts of ideas only work once. You know, you you send the lineman out on a screen and the first time it might get somebody, you might end up getting that guy on a cornerback. The second time, now they're going to put a linebacker out there and your screen's going to be in trouble. And that's fine. Maybe you now run into the place where the linebacker vacated, but you can see how that starts to get a little bit easier to sniff out. And that's why you need a bread and butter or call it like identity is a more cliche way to put it. But but the Cowboys offense and I think they lost that game against the 49ers in large part because of this. They really struggled to put together an identity. And I don't hold that game against Kellen Moore too much. They had a really tough time blocking and there's no real play call that works when you can't block anything. But I think a, the lack of a true bread and butter, something you can go to, you know, a package you can go to 20 times a game that is able to generate enough production and you're good enough at it where that like you can do it consistently is something I think Dallas was missing. He's great at getting Cedric Wilson to throw a 35 yard pass to CeeDee Lamb. But you need you can only get away with stuff like that. What, five times a game? And over the course of a game, you need more than five good plays. You need something you can go to over and over and over again. I don't know what that identity is with Kellen Moore. Um, maybe it would change with what his personnel is or whatever. But I, I feel a little bit unconfident in that schematically, but I would love that he would bring good ideas, which is why I think right now he belongs as an assistant and maybe the head coaching role comes at, at, at a later date. The other thing is 
he kind of feels like a run first coach. And I personally don't mind that. That's fine by me. But I know a lot of people aren't going to. So I should let you know before you get super excited about the nerdy scheme guy and think that this is going to mean they're going to pass 60 times a game and become the Bills and Jeff Jefferson's going to be happy. This dude seems like he's kind of a run first guy that wants to put six offensive linemen around and pound you in the mouth. Um, if you want a Cowboys coach that's going to pass first, I, I kind of feel like Dan Quinn might be more it just because of his previous head coaching tenure. They were they were definitely a pass first offense then and they continued to be one. Um, I, I feel like if you want a pass first offense, you should probably steer clear of Kellen Moore. I got two other guys I'm going to talk to. I already hinted you at one of them. But before I get into that, let me tell you about my new favorite app. It is Get Upside. Get Upside is an app you can go get for free at the Google Play or App Store, and you can find a place to save money at the pump. That's right. We are knocking a little bit off the top of gas prices for you. 25 cents a gallon, to be specific, at the pump. Add that up over like a month. If you drive a lot, that's like two, three hundred bucks. Just download the app, Google Play or App Store. It's a free app. It'll tell you what gas stations are participating. Upload your a picture of your receipt and wait for like a day or two for it to process. And then you can just withdraw your money whenever you want. You can just have it direct deposit or if you're more comfortable with it, Google Play, Amazon gift card, something like that also works. And that's it. You're just saving money. Also, enter promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up, and you can get 50 cents a gallon off on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN at the GetUpside app so you can start saving money on gas. And if you don't want to do that, you're not human. I also want to talk to you about Bet Online, your one-stop shop for all things Grambling. Divisional weekend is up. I'm very excited about it. It is one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. Might be my favorite weekend of the ent- entire year. I might actually like it better than Wild Card Weekend because the stakes start to get a little bit higher and teams start to play. And, you know, you never have a team that's like an all, you know, you never have like a team like the Eagles or the Steelers that just kind of barely snuck in and they clearly are just happy to be here. These are all teams with dreams and I love it and I love grambling on it. If you love that kind of thing or if you want to gramble on anything, basketball, hockey, golf, gymnastics, uh, the upcoming Olympics, maybe, or even just your favorite Vegas casino games, you can do that at betonline.ag. Enter promo code locked on when you sign up, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus as well. You can bet on things live, you can build your own player props, you can do whatever. Just enter promo code locked on so you can claim all that free play money at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you so much again for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. By the way, Peacock and Williamson are going to be at the Super Bowl. I was also on uh, the Thursday episode of Peacock and Williamson, so you should go listen to that. It was a pretty good conversation. They're a national show here on the Lockdown Podcast Network covering the whole NFL, and they are going to be on the ground at Super Bowl week. Really excited to hang out with them. Really excited for all of that. But I want to get to the next head coaching candidate that I'm not so big a fan of, and that is Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And honestly, I don't. I don't get it. I don't know why. I just, I don't understand it. Let me, maybe you can understand it. Let me tell you the, his story in the best faith I can. And maybe you can understand it and tell me what the, what the appeal is. But he was, so he was a player at Louisville. He got, he was a defensive player. I think he was a linebacker. He got hurt in college. He got a hip injury, very similar to the Bo Jackson injury that ended up being a career ender. And instead of trying to rehab through it and all that stuff, he went to uh, become a student, a coaching assistant, and he actually got into the coaching ranks that way. So he was kind of always a coach, even from college. Um, He actually, one of his first NFL jobs, I think his first NFL job, he was a scout with the Rams, where he actually learned scouting before he learned coaching. That's really interesting. And honestly, I do see the appeal of that. I think that's a really interesting skill set, because like I said, head coach evolves, involves, talent evaluation. You are in the war room pounding a table for a guy. 
You have to evaluate some talent. So having a little bit of a scouting background is definitely a boon. And I, I really like that about him. Um, unfortunately, some of the things end there. I should also mention that he was a defensive backs coach for Mike Zimmer for a lot of years, including the 2017 year where the, the D-backs were really, really good. And he actually reunited with Xavier Rhodes later in Indianapolis, where he was the D-backs coach there. So he has a lot of experience and some prior ties to Minnesota, worth mentioning. Not a lot of value because none of those guys are still around, but still worth noting. He has been a quick riser, and I think he's he's impressed a lot of people. A lot of people get into a room with him and come away impressed, not unlike the Kellen Moore thing, just like, oh, he's like this brilliant football mind, and that's great. And he has the thing that like every single person that the Vikings have requested an interview for has this trait. People love working with this guy. That might be I, I think that might be the reason he gets interviewed. I don't know how serious of a candidate he's going to end up being. I don't know how deep he's going to end up being able to go because of he's got some shoddy experience um, and he's very, very, very raw. But it seems like he's a very enjoyable person to work with. And the Vikings are looking for that. I think there's toxicity in the upper echelons of the Vikings organization right now. And they are looking like they said they told us outright and they're following through on it. They're looking for collaborators, people that will listen to other ideas, people that will absorb things, people that will work with other people. They're not looking for a guy that's going to say my way or the highway. And that's certainly Jonathan Gannon. So I don't know, talking it out, OK, I at least understand, but I still disagree with it as a potential head coaching guy. Um, so he ends up with a defensive coordinator job in Philadelphia for the first time. Now, he's been an assistant. He's been a defensive backs coach for forever, since 2012. So he's definitely overripe to get a defensive coordinator role. I think he's earned that and he should be a defensive coordinator. But he's been one year defensive coordinator and that Eagles defense was inconsistent and there were a lot of problems within the ranks. So here's here's where Jonathan Gannon loses me. A one year of DC experience is kind of a red flag to me. If you're going to coordinate a unit, unless that unit suddenly you came in and you were the biggest whiz ever, you had the number one defense, you were totally blowing the doors off of people, um, then maybe you say, okay, maybe that guy gets the promotion, right? But for me, I want a little bit more experience managing an entire unit instead of just like honing in and coaching a specific position group, which is what he's done for most of his career was coach defensive backs and coordinating the whole unit is managing. And, and I, that experience is important. Now, I've always I've been saying for a long time, head coach is not super coordinator. So you need a little bit more than proof in the pudding than that. But you still do need some experience like managing several groups and, and juggling all those responsibilities. Um, he's got one year of it. And that year, man, it, it didn't go well. Um, I, I think he figured it out near the end. And I think that like if I were the Eagles head coach, if I were Nick Sirianni deciding if I were keeping him or not, I probably would keep him just because, oh, OK, yeah, he started to kind of get his his feet under him. But it, it, it has gone very bad in October. Fletcher Cox basically said, yeah, he's not having me play as aggressive as I used to. And that was after they, that defense got blown out by the Las Vegas Raiders. And there was this big fallout coaching wise. And he took a ton of the blame for that. But I want to say that again, Fletcher Cox openly was like, yeah, I used to play really aggressive, but he's not having me play aggressive anymore. And that's not really who I am. And that is like alarm bells to me when I hear a player say, this is who I need to be. And I'm being asked to do something else. Um, especially when that's a player with like credibility, like when Mackenzie Alexander is a rookie, like a headstrong rookie corner that thinks he's all that says that uh, maybe the maybe you got to get humble, kid. But when it's Fletcher Cox, that's like really scares me. Who else is going to be asked to do something they're not comfortable doing just because that's what Jonathan Gannon decided. That's the scheme we're going to run today. Um, also, after that game, Nick Sirianni kind of said like, hey, there are these problems in the defense. 
Um, and then he later walked it back and said, no, I said that because it's my responsibility. But that's kind of Jonathan Cannon's responsibility. Now, once again, he did figure this out. Got it. Things got a little better toward the end. They went up against some bad quarterbacks and they managed to kind of get their feet under them before they got absolutely undressed by Tom Brady, um, which, again, I don't know if I hold that against him very much. Like it's Tom Brady and you're a first year DC. Like it's going to happen. But like, why are we making like that's a valid excuse for that guy. But why would we give that guy a promotion? I, I genuinely think that a lot of these guys like the Wilfs are just saying, OK, who around the league has a reputation as a good collaborator and they're just bringing in people for interviews um, without much commitment to that. And it's fine, like interview whoever you want, but that puts him on the list and that means he's going to rank low on it for me. I got one more guy that I want to talk about that is uh, that is interviewed for the Vikings job, I believe, already. And I will get right to it just right after we talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is my favorite protein bar ever. It's delicious. It tastes like a candy bar. You're going to crave it late at night and you're not going to have to feel guilty about that. We all have late night cravings. We're all trying to be good. It's a new year, new us, right? New life, new lease on everything. And then you wake up at 3 a.m. with a chocolatey craving and everything gets ruined. Well, don't let that happen to you with uh, Bill Bar. Bill Bar is it's like 130 calories in one of these bad boys, like four grams of sugar. You're not going to knock yourself off the wagon having one of these babies. And it's delicious. It's going to trick you into thinking you totally cheated. But you didn't cheat. You just had a Bill Bar that's like chocolate peanut butter or chocolate raspberry or a number of delicious flavors. So head on over to Bilt.com. They also have some specialty flavors that come around every once in a while. So check back with that website sometimes. And that's where you get the really, really good stuff. Uh, but go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 when you check out L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5-0-1 word you get 15% off of your order at built.com all right one more coach let's talk about Kevin O'Connell who I'm also not a huge fan of um and you might hear this chorus from me you might remember something similar from the GM interview somebody who was a little lower on my list for very similar reasons but I'm getting ahead of myself Kevin O'Connell Sean McVay's offensive coordinator for the last two years now Sean McVay's offensive staff has been picked clean for head coaching jobs there's he's lost Fleur a little while ago he lost somebody I think over to the Titans He's been totally picked clean. And Kevin O'Connell came in in 2020 to replace people who had left to be the offensive coordinator. Now, he had been the offensive coordinator a couple times before, and he'd been the passing game coordinator um, for Washington 2018 and 2019. He was also the quarterbacks coach in 2017 uh, with Kirk Cousins. So he's worked with Kirk Cousins as his quarterbacks coach before, which definitely that's a connection that makes sense. So bring that guy in. Sure. Um, and then passing game coordinator. And then he was the OC for Washington in 2019, which was nigh a tanking year. It was a very bad year for Washington. That was the year they ended up picking second overall and getting Chase Young. Um, so that was a very poor time. Coach got fired in the middle of the year. It was a Jay Gruden thing, not necessarily his fault. But then after all that, he ends up going to be the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams and learning the McVay thing. So there's two things about Kevin O'Connell that sort of pique my interest. Um, one is that he has a very similar mindset to Kirk Cousins. If you are on team keep Kirk Cousins, you are going to disagree with me about Kevin O'Connell for sure, because he is a perfect pairing with Kirk Cousins. He thinks exactly like Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't like that mentality. I've gone into detail on that. I won't harp on it. Um, so I don't like it, but you don't have to agree with me on that. He is a great fit with Kirk Cousins if you're going to keep him. Um, the, and, and what I'm talking about here is both he and Kirk Cousins have this keep every note mentality. It's not unlike the collecting plays thing we have from Kellen Moore, but it's like whenever that wherever they've been in their career, they've kept meticulous notes, they keep it all, and they have just this gigantic archive of all the things they've learned forever. And it's something that um, Kevin O'Connell, he was a quarterback that didn't work out, that didn't have a great playing career. 
Um, and he picked up that habit while he was a player, while he was a, a backup quarter, trying to be a backup quarterback. Um, and he kept that throughout his coaching career. So this very meticulous, like prepare for all things, attention to detail sort of approach to the game. He shares that with Kirk Cousins. And I think those two would mesh really, really. If you wanted to like build a team that committed a hundred percent to Kirk Cousins, and I'm talking the way that people complain about the, that the Vikings didn't right get an offensive line really commit to passing, you know, he's going to throw 60 times a game, that kind of that kind of thing. I think Kevin O'Connell would be the guy for you. Now, of course, I, again, I don't love that because I don't think that mentality is very good for a quarterback. I think there's a, a lack of flexibility to the, to that approach that has gotten Kirk Cousins in a lot of trouble. Um, so that's why he's going to be low on my list. But again, you don't have to agree with me. The other thing I'll say is this would definitely feel like you're trying to recreate the 2018 Rams. You're trying to say, oh, you've worked with McVay for a couple of years. Come here and be our McVay. And it just doesn't like always work like that. When you have worked with a guy for two years, like it's one thing when you're hiring Matt LaFleur, who worked with Sean McVay for like 15 years, or Kyle Shanahan, worked for both of those guys for 15 years. That's going to work out for the Packers, right? This guy's worked there for two and he was in Washington in a Jay Gruden kind of a husk of what used to be there after McVay and Shanahan. All those guys had been plucked out of there over the last couple of years. And he was like replacing that. And so he worked with the Jay Gruden husk of it in Washington during like the Dwayne Haskins year. Um, that's not going to be as valuable of experience. And yeah, he's worked under McVay for a couple of years, but it's not like you're he's going to get any credit for anything offensively that um, McVay has done, but rather He's it, it seems like this would be something where you're hoping that he has trained under Sean McVay and he's been able to absorb everything from Sean McVay and he's going to be able to copy the Rams and paste them in Minnesota. And so if you want to copy paste the Rams or become, you know, the Rams, but with Kirk Cousins, this would be the coaching candidate for you. I'm not a big fan of it. It's going to go low on my list. And plus, it's, again, just a lack of experience. He has only been a coach at all at any level since 2015. That's not very much. Both he and Kellen Moore, like five years, three years, that is not very much. At least Jonathan Gannon has been coaching in some capacity since, I think, 2004. And it's just always been like on the very, very low levels. QC coach, the kind of guy that doesn't exactly get from, you know, above the line billing, as it were. But with O'Connell, he's very raw and he has an approach that might fit really well with who is here. But if you are like me and you don't want Kirk Cousins to stick around, then that kind of undermines a lot of the upside of Kevin O'Connell. And even if you are into that, you have to be confident that it's going to work. I don't know if I am, but if you are and you disagree with me, totally valid. And you can go yell at me online about it if you want. Um, I'm going to keep doing this throughout the week. Of course, it, when when the GM gets hired, we'll go deep into that. Um, when, when other news breaks, we'll talk about it for sure. Um, but otherwise, I'm just going to kind of keep working my way up the list. Next time we talk about this, I'll talk about people who I'm not as happy with, but could probably talk myself into at least. Um, and we'll just go up from there. So I'm really excited to go on this head coaching candidates journey with you. And we're going to talk about some people that like Byron Leftwich and Brian Dable, who haven't necessarily been requested, but we're still going to talk about them because a lot of people want those guys. They're popular names. So uh, in the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. It's uh, your boy Q and uh, handicapping expert Lee Sterling will help you get your gramble straight. I'll see you all next week. And as always, skull.